MSW Media. News with swearing. Daily beans, daily beans. Daily beans, daily beans. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Wednesday, August 5th, 2020. Today, Trump flips his stance on mail in voting, but only in Florida. There was a massive explosion in Beirut. Michael Caputo warns that scrutiny of Trump will delay a coronavirus vaccine. Five people who attended a meeting with Ron DeSantis have tested positive for COVID-19. New emails detail the behind-the-scenes drama after the Department of Justice recommended a lighter sentence for Roger Stone. Aurora police apologize after black children were detained and handcuffed in a stolen car mix-up. A statement from the Assistant Attorney General for National Security announced the review of 29 FISA warrants show no issues. Chad Wolf lied to Congress, and we have emails to prove it. And an eyebrow-raising interview between Trump and Axios goes viral. I'm your host, A.G. Hello, everyone. We have a big show for you today. Um, Oddly, Trump did a 180 on mail-in voting, uh, but only for Florida after yesterday, threatening to sue Nevada for their mail-in voting efforts. And uh, some people are saying, actually, I think there are multiple sources now saying it's because Florida Republicans pushed back, saying we need mail-in voting to win. Now, uh, we're going to be talking about uh, that and uh, the other threatening to sue part with the host of National Security Law Podcast, Steve Vladek, later in the show. And then Jordan will be here to go over the viral Axios interview that's devastating to Trump for anyone with any kind of connection to reality. And we'll have the good news for you as well at the end of the show. And I just wanted to take a minute to thank our crew over at the closed social media groups for our patrons. We have about 20 volunteer moderators, and they work tirelessly all hours of the day and night to ensure that our members have a positive and candid experience and that the group is a safe place for members to voice their opinions and have productive discussions about the news of the day and any other issues we want to talk about. So thank you to the Behind the Beans moderators for all of your hard work. I really appreciate it. I just wanted you to know that. We do have a lot of news today, so uh, let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. So I'm going to start with an important story that's being completely ignored by the media, in which the Assistant Attorney General for National Security, John Demers, released the following statement. Quote, the Department of Justice has completed its review of the 29 FISA applications that were the subject of preliminary findings by the Department of Justice Inspector General in March 2020. We are pleased to announce that our review of these applications concluded and they all contain sufficient basis for probable cause and uncovered only two material errors, neither of which invalidated the authorizations granted by the FISA court. These findings, together with the more than 40 corrective actions taken by the Federal Bureau of Investigation and the National Security Division, should instill confidence in the FBI's use of the FISA authorities. We would like to express our appreciation to the Office of the Inspector General for their focus on the department's use of its national security authority. We remain committed to improving the FISA process to ensure that we use these tools consistent with the law and our obligations to the FISA court. The ability to surveil and to investigate using FISA authorities remains critical to confronting current national security threats, including election interference, Chinese espionage, and terrorism, unquote. So, OIG came out with a report about the FISA warrant. They looked into 29 additional FISA warrants of the 29, found two material errors, and that they were all properly awarded, I suppose, or granted, I should say. I don't know if it's an award (laughs) that you get a FISA warrant. 
And Chad Wolf, the acting secretary of the Department of Homeland Security, lied to Congress when he testified in June of 2019 that he had only learned of Trump's separation, family separation policy. He said he only learned of it right before Jeff Sessions announced it. Uh, First of all, something important here. He's telling you that this is Jeff Sessions. The family separations policy belongs to Jeff Sessions. Second of all, emails obtained by Senator Jeff Merkley, Democrat of Oregon, show that Mr. Wolf actually included the separation of families in a list of policy recommendations that he sent to the Department of Justice in December of 2017. There's a piece in the New York Times that included this little bit of news, along with a history on Chad Wolf, written by uh, Zolan Cano Youngs and Jesse McKinley. I highly recommend giving it a read. And yes, lying to Congress is still a felony. Also today, police issued an apology after drawing guns on a woman and four minors after mistaking her car for one that had been stolen. Brittany Gilliam was with her six-year-old daughter, 12-year-old sister, and 14- and 17-year-old nieces. And this was on Sunday when police drew their weapons on, on the four of them. Gilliam said she, her sister, and 17-year-old niece were handcuffed while police verified that the car Gilliam was driving was not stolen. A Facebook video shows the children on the ground in the parking lot surrounded by police. They can be heard crying in the video. Onlookers try to intervene and are questioning the police about pulling their guns on their little girls. Gilliam and the four girls are all black. In an interview with CNN, Gillian said she was taking the girls to get their nails done the day of the incident. Her niece had just gotten back in a vehicle after looking to see if the nail salon was open, and she and the girls were parked in a parking lot with the car turned off. Gilliam said uh, when Aurora police pulled up behind her vehicle with guns drawn, and then they yelled for them to put their hands out the window and to get out of the car. Gilliam and the girls got out of the vehicle and were told to lay face down on the pavement. At the time, police handcuffed Gilliam, her sister, and her niece. Gilliam said the police would not tell her why she was pulled over until after she was handcuffed. Aurora police told Gilliam her vehicle was stolen. Gilliam said she told them her vehicle had been stolen back in February, but it was cleared up. She said she offered to show them the vehicle registration and the insurance paperwork. Gilliam's attorney emphasized to CNN that when the vehicle was stolen in February, it was returned to her the next day by Aurora police. Gilliam said she asked why the kids were being handcuffed, and she was told officers handcuff kids when they get hostile. Quote, if you wanted to place me in handcuffs at that point, I would have gladly agreed to that because you had a job to do and you did it under the right protocol, but you pointed a gun at four kids and then you proceeded to start handcuffing the kids. That's a quote from Gilliam. And new emails show that behind the scenes, there was some drama after the Department of Justice recommended a lighter sentence for Roger Stone. From BuzzFeed News, quote, at 2.59 p.m. on February 11th, Aaron Zelensky, one of the lead prosecutors in the criminal case against Trump, ally Roger Stone sent an email notifying his supervisor, J.P. Cooney, that he was withdrawing from Stone's case. In an email one minute later, Cooney tried to stop him. Quote, I am not approving of you withdrawing from this case right now. Cooney wrote in one of a set of emails that was obtained by BuzzFeed News through a Freedom of Information Act lawsuit. you got to love BuzzFeed and their FOIA requests. But Cooney was too late. Zelensky had filed his withdrawal from the Stone case with the federal district court in Washington. Three minutes after his email to Cooney, Zelensky wrote to uh, two assistant U.S. attorneys in Maryland to say he didn't think Cooney could force him to continue to work on Stone's case. His email made clear he'd consulted with them in advance about his decision. 
Quote, as we have discussed, I do not believe he has the power to compel me to stay on the case. So it seems like Zelensky knew Cooney wouldn't let him withdraw. The 76 pages of partially redacted emails were turned over to BuzzFeed News by the Executive Office of U.S. Attorneys. The agency withheld 152 pages in releasing the emails Monday and indicated some of those records are sealed and others were referred to the FBI for review. The Justice Department intends to make additional monthly productions of emails and other documents related to how the Justice Department handled Stone's case. They haven't said when. The emails produced to BuzzFeed News don't include any messages between Zelensky and Tim Shea. That was at uh, the time the uh, U.S. attorney in D.C. But Zelensky did exchange emails with Shea's chief of staff, David Metcalf. At 2.05 p.m. on February 10th, the earlier day, the day before, Metcalf wrote to Zelensky, if you actually want to talk, let me know. And the rest of his message is redacted. And then Zelensky wrote back, what would you like to discuss? I'm a bit busy because of the Stone sentencing memo, as I'm sure you're aware. And the second half of his email is redacted. While that exchange was taking place, Zelensky was also trading emails with Jonathan Lenzer, an official in the U.S. Attorney's Office of Maryland. The contents of those emails are fully redacted, but the subject line reads, uh, looks like they are blinking, is what, is what the subject line reads. Fully redacted emails. And the chief advisor to Operation Warp Speed. That's the Trump administration's program investing billions of dollars into discovering a coronavirus vaccine says that media scrutiny of his stock ownership may delay a vaccine or make, it, make its discovery less likely because it's distracting Trump. Uh, Monsef uh, Slawi, I think is how you pronounce that name, he made the remarks on the official Health and Human Services podcast released this Friday, being interviewed by Michael Caputo, who is, as you know, the, the HHS Assistant Secretary of Public Affairs, the interview quickly descended into a lengthy rant about the media. This is the official Health and Human Services podcast. The two men took extensive issue with news stories about Slowey. Um, he is working as a contractor voluntarily, drawing a payment of only $1. And as news reports have outlined, this exempts him from ethics rules that would apply to federal employees. Slowey worked for 30 years in senior roles at pharmaceutical giant GlaxoSmithKline. He, told, uh, he still holds significant stock in that company. The HHS inspector general ruled that he can continue to own stock in the pharmaceutical industry and is exempt from disclosure rules that would apply if he joined the government. Now on to Florida. Five people who attended a Florida Sheriff's Association meeting, FSA, meeting last week with Governor Ron DeSantis have tested positive for coronavirus, according to officials on Monday. Nanette Schimpf, a spokesperson for the Florida Sheriff's Association, confirmed to The Hill that the FSA warned top state elected officials, including DeSantis and all attendees, about their possible exposure to COVID-19 two days after the meeting. Sixty people attended the meeting at the Bonita Springs Hotel. Uh, Schimpf told the news service that the association and the hotel took every precaution and exceeded social distancing recommendations during the event with required masks, one table per person set 10 feet apart from each other, and disinfection of the entire area every hour. She said the meeting followed all CDC and uh, state and county guidelines and uh, reduced its expected attendance by 75%. Nonetheless, uh, an unidentified attendee told the association they tested positive last Wednesday. Quote, FSA provided notice to all participants the same day that the, attendant, the, the attendee also personally called anyone they interacted with, with uh, at the meetings as an additional notification uh, measure. That's according to Schimpf. And by Monday, Florida Corrections Secretary Mark Inch, Corrections Deputy Secretary Ricky, Ricky Dixon, Ricky Dixon, great name, 
um, Volusia County Sheriff Mike Chitwood and Gilchrist County Sheriff Bobby Schultz all received positive test results. And finally, a massive explosion is Rock Bay Route today, killing at least 50 people, injuring over 2,700. Uh, a political party leader died in the explosion. Windows were shattered for miles. Many felt what they thought was an earthquake, and then the blast hit. According to officials there, there was a fire in a warehouse on a port set to have contained fireworks. But the size of the explosion would indicate something far more deadly had ignited. And now uh, a port official is confirming that con confiscated explosive materials uh, are what caused the, the massive explosion. And the head of general security told reporters it would be naive to assume, assume the explosion was just caused only by fireworks. And so um, we have since then learned that apparently confiscated explosive materials were in that warehouse. The health minister in Beirut said on television that there are uh, at least 50 people were killed with more than 2,700 hurt. And the hospitals in the city are overwhelmed with the injured and they're treating them in the parking lots and parking lots of the hospitals and other public places. The Lebanese Red Cross has called every ambulance in the country to come to Beirut to bring the wounded to the hospitals. And the true cause of the explosion is still unknown. Uh, we are getting trickles of information. I'm not going to speculate, but we'll keep you posted on that story. And, of course, all of our thoughts are with the injured and those who've lost their lives in the blast and their families as well. We'll be right back after this quick word with Jordan Coburn, and she's going to go over the highlights of the Axios interview that's got everyone except Trump supporters scratching their heads over his total lack of understanding. Stay with us. After these messages, we'll be right back. Hey, everybody. Today's episode of Daily Beans is brought to you by Caliber CBD. We all need to practice self-care these days. It can be daunting, uh, but who says taking care of yourself needs to be so hard? That's what's great about CBD. It helps you feel better without making drastic changes to your routine. CBD has helped me with feeling more calm, being able to sleep easier, and feeling less sore after workouts or long, busy days. And I was skeptical of CBD at first. I mean, droppers full of funny-tasting tinctures can't be the best modern science has to offer, right? Well, Caliper agrees, and that's why they introduced a better way to consume CBD. Unlike CBD oils, Caliper CBD powder is completely tasteless and mixes easily in food or drink. So no weird taste, no oily residue. Uh, with precisely 20 milligrams in each packet of Caliper CBD, you'll never question how much CBD you're taking again. I like to add it to my morning coffee or smoothie after a workout. And it's clinically proven that you actually absorb 450% more CBD with Caliper CBD because, you know, with the powder as compared to oils. And that's a huge difference because Caliper gives you all the benefits of CBD in just 15 minutes. And that's twice as fast as CBD oil. And Caliper is completely THC-free with all natural, non-GMO ingredients, no fillers, no added chemicals, no artificial flavors. And you can get 20% off your first order when you use promo code DAILYBEANS at trycaliper.com slash dailybeans. You can try Caliper CBD risk-free for 30 days, and if you don't love it, they will give you a full refund. That's trycaliper.com slash dailybeans. And don't forget, don't forget promo code dailybeans for 20% off your first order. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the J Block. Get it? J Block? Because my name doesn't start with any other letter. Um, I'm going to go over the Axios interview that happened with Trump in his office, and he just got completely demolished in this interview. Um, I can't even believe he says yes. I mean, cause, cause he's like this, this, uh, this interviewer has been covering him for, you know, years at this point. And he just completely, I mean, troll is definitely the wrong 
word to use to describe Jonathan Swan because everything he's saying is only provocative in nature because it's so inherently ridiculous, but he kind of does like, I mean, he's antagonistically truthful about his questions and, and with his questioning and it was just fucking watching Trump squirm for 40 minutes and if you missed it, we're gonna just go over an overview of that interview with some clips. So... I really, I mean, if you're one of those people like myself that is a bit reluctant to sit through the entirety of these interviews that Trump does, where he just comes off as a um, demonic moron, he this is a little bit more enjoyable to watch because Jonathan does such an amazing job just completely like owning him, and it's it is so fantastic. Uh, he's unabashedly mocking Trump's answers at times to the point where I wonder like (laughs) the audience is obviously people like us that take immense pleasure in watching him get his ass fact-checked and uh looking at him be so flustered but yeah there's like a moment in the interview I love where you know Trump loves to randomly throw out his sources and he gets asked a tough question as are all questions for Trump at this point and he was like just look at the manual look at the books just look at the books and Jonathan's like manual what books what books and it's just it's it's like perfect comedy how Jonathan says it and how Trump sets it up inadvertently and I encourage you to actually watch this interview is what I'm saying. But if you don't want to, or you haven't seen it yet, or maybe you're just listening anyway out of the kindness of your heart, even though you have watched it in its entirety, I'm going to play you some clips of the stuff that they went over. So one of the points that they hit is the troops in Afghanistan. So, you know, Trump has been touting that he's going to pull all the troops out of Afghanistan. (laughs) That's where I want to live. But Afghanistan, and he's... He's not. He's not pulled all the troops out. And Jonathan's pressing him on this, saying, you know, basically, what do you have to say for yourself? You said you were going to get the troops out, and the troops are currently, you know, they're at a number right now. Um, He finally gets Trump to say by the time he leaves office, he's going to have four to 5,000 troops still in Afghanistan, you know, and Jonathan's calling him out on this, saying that's that's still a lot of troops. So let's just listen to that exchange. We're largely out of Afghanistan, as you probably know. Well, I wanted to ask you about that. Um, you, the U.S. troop level in Afghanistan right now is roughly the same as it was no, when you... you're wrong. No. Uh, Mr. President, we're... I'm sorry. We have to do... Okay, are you ready? No, no. We'll I need... be down in a very short... It's already planned. Well, well that's, the, that's a different question. We'll be down in a very short period of time to 8,000. Then we're going to be down to 4,000. We're negotiating right now. We've been there for 19 years. Oh, no, no, 19 I know. years. But, but if you just let me finish my we'll question. We'll be getting out. I understand. Look, the, when you came in, it was 8,800. You boosted to 14,000, and now you're back down to 8,500. We're, we're now... My uh, question we'll to you... We'll be at 4,000. I'll give when? you the exact... Very soon. Very soon. What will be the number... Very soon? 4,000? Very soon, yes. Like how soon? I don't want to tell you that. I don't want to tell it's you. It's big that. news. What is that? that is it's going down to four thousand, isn't it? No, I've always said. Well, what about We're what about get, election day? We will get largely out on election day. How many American troops will be in Afghanistan? Uh, probably anywhere from four to five thousand. He just. Do you notice too? You'll know if if you listen to the full interview. You'll notice how Trump does this thing where he claims credit for the things that he hasn't 
yet done. But he'll speak about them in the present. Like, he'll speak about there presently being fewer troops, and then when he gets called out on the troops not having left yet, then he'll say, well, that you know, that will happen. That is what's going to happen. Even the numbers that he says will happen, though, are still high numbers compared to what he said he was going to do. And he's just the worst. That's my Trump jingle. The fucking worst. Moving on. Next thing, um, they talk about coronavirus, obviously. And Trump believes that this is the best we can do. Let's listen to that. I've covered you for a long time. I've, I've gone to your rallies. I've talked to your people. They love you. They listen to you. They listen to every word you say. They hang on your every word. They don't listen to me or the media or Fauci. They think we're fake news. They want to get their advice from you. And so when they hear you say everything's under control, don't worry about wearing masks, I mean, these are people, many of them are older people, well, Mr. President. What's of control? Yeah. Under the it's giving them a false sense right of security. Now, I think it's under control. I'll tell you what. How? A thousand Americans are dying a day. They are dying. That's true. And you ha it is what it is. But that doesn't mean we aren't doing everything we can. It's under control as much as you can control it. This is a horrible plague that beset us. You really think this is as much as we can control? Uh, well, a thousand I'll deaths you, a day? I'd like to know if somebody, first of all, we have done a great job. I just really appreciate Swan pointing out that he does, you know, he does have this base that listens to him. Regardless, you know, Swan doesn't make any judgments necessarily on his base, but just points out that they listen to him and they listen to what he says and our numbers are, are not good, which is, of course, something that Trump throughout the interview, you know, just entirely opposes, uh, tries to rummage through his papers that his staff around him has made for him. And it really, I mean, it really begs the question, is his staff actually intentionally just feeding him wrong information that he just actually believes? Like, is that is that what's happening? That's kind of what it seems like when he talks about this so passionately. Either that or they're all in on it together and they know that the numbers that they're, you know, telling people and going off of uh, are not um, confirmed or understood to have the implications that they believe that they do by the general medical community that is respected, that is. Um, but it is just, yeah, for him to think that this is the best we can do right now is, uh, we know that to not be true. Um, moving on. Then he gets called out on uh, Russia and the bounty situation. Let's listen to that. It's been widely reported that the US has intelligence indicating that Russia paid bounties or offered to pay bounties to Taliban fighters to kill American right. soldiers. Mm -hmm. You had a phone call with Vladimir Putin on July 23rd. Did you bring up this issue? No, that was a phone call to discuss other things. And frankly, uh, that's an issue that... Uh, many people said was uh, fake news. Who said it was, it was fake fault. news? I think a lot of people. Uh, if you look at some of the wonderful folks from the Bush administration, uh, some of them, not any friends of mine, were saying that it's a fake issue. But a lot of people said it's a fake issue. There was dispute well, we had a call, intelligence. We had a call talking about nuclear proliferation, which right. is a very big subject, where they would like to do something, and so would I. We discussed numerous things. We did not discuss that, no. And you've never discussed it with him? I have never discussed it with him, no. Rega I would. I'd have no problem with it. But you don't believe but, you know, the intelligence. It it's because you don't believe the intelligence. That's why. Uh, 
everything, you know, it's interesting. Nobody ever brings up China. They always bring Russia, Russia, Russia. If we can do something with Russia in terms of nuclear proliferation, which is right. a very big problem, bigger problem than global warming, right. a much bigger problem than global warming in terms of the real world, uh, that would be a great thing. But no, just, uh, it never reached my okay. desk. You know why? Because they didn't think it was intelligence. They didn't think it was real. It was they in your written think, brief, though, apparently. They didn't think it was worthy of it. I wouldn't mind. If it reached my desk, I would have done something about it. It never reached my desk because... Do you read your written brief? I do. do I you? read a lot. Really? You know, I read a lot. They like to say I don't read. I read a lot. Uh, your re your I, daily I comprehend extraordinarily well, uh, probably better than anybody that you've interviewed in a long time. Uh, I read a lot. I spend a lot of time with... Uh, at meetings, uh, usually it's once a day or uh, at least two or three times a week intelligence. Because this was apparently Talking in about your India, brain. talking about right. with the problems with China, talking about so many different elements of the world. Mm -hmm. The world is a very uh, angry place if you look all over the world. You can really hear in this clip how hard he tries to steer away from any questions about Russia. It's been the same thing this whole time he always does the exact same thing it's constantly what aboutism refuses to just tackle anything russia related head on because he's in over his head he has no head to come head on with he's screwed in the topic of russia everybody knows that he's compromised everybody knows he is so in putin's asshole he is entirely unable to be forthcoming with his answers about this especially i mean he keeps saying it never came across my desk the intelligence never came across my desk you know that 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 had happened and what it really comes down to and what jonathan swan calls him out on is you just don't believe the intelligence and that's i mean that's best case scenario is he doesn't believe the intelligence as far as i'm concerned i think he knows exactly what's happening in a lot of these cases and he's stuck and can't be any sort of a leader whatsoever in that situation uh just without some clips another thing that they went to talk about he also brings up the whole mail-in ballot uh situation he says that absentee ballots are so much better because there's actually an application process that you have to go through to get them. And Swan calls him out on this saying, dude, it's the same shit. It is the same shit. He refuses to acknowledge any of that, continues to say dead people get ballots, dogs get ballots, the same talking points he's been using. Nothing new there. And then um, I want to end with something that's actually just profoundly upsetting uh to hear and it's him talking about his record with black america and his record uh you know he says <laughs> he says some insane shit uh and i'll just let you hear it for yourself i did more for the black community than anybody with the possible exception of Abraham Lincoln, whether you like it or not, people say, oh, that's you really you, you believe you did more than Lyndon Johnson, who passed the Civil I Rights Act? I think I Act. did, yeah. How? Because I How got possibly did you just reform done. I got prison reform. Lyndon Johnson. I've done things. I've done, well. He passed the ask, Civil Rights ask, Act. How has it worked out? If you take a look at what Lyndon Johnson did. You think the Civil Rights Act was a mistake? How has it worked out? Because, frankly, it, it took a long time 
But for African Americans, but under my administration, Jonathan, <laughs> under my administration, African Americans were doing better than they had ever done in the history of this country. So I did a lot. Job numbers, all of the money. They had money. They were getting great. Their their percentage was was up. Their housing ownership was up. They did better than they've ever done I just until don't know we how got you hit. Can... And now you know what we're doing? I'm building it up again. We're going to have it. Next year will be a great year, unless it's screwed up by somebody that doesn't know what he's doing, which could happen, but I don't think it will. John Lewis is lying in state in the US Capitol. How do you think history will remember John Lewis? I don't know. I really don't know. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I don't know John Lewis. Uh, he chose not to come to my uh, uh, inauguration. Uh, he chose, uh, I, I don't, uh, I never met John Lewis, actually. I don't believe. Do you find him impressive? Uh, I can't say one way or the other. I find a lot of people impressive. I find many people not impressive, but no, but I didn't Did go. Did you find his story he impressive? Come, he didn't come to my inauguration. He didn't come to my State of the Union speeches. And that's okay, that's his right. And again, nobody has done more right. for but, but black to, Americans than I have. I understand. He should have come. But back, I think he made a big mistake. But, but, ta I think he but taking come. your relationship with him out of it, do you find his story impressive, what he's done for this country? He was a person that devoted a lot of energy and a lot of heart to civil rights, but there were many others also. So disrespectful. And him saying that he thinks he's done the most for civil rights since Lincoln. Since Abraham Lincoln. He is actually making that claim. Um, like I said, outside of, you know, it's clear anger-inducing sentiments. Um, I, I think this interview is actually enjoyable for me to watch, so check it out. It's on YouTube, the full interview, if you want to watch that, and good on you, Axios, for getting that interview. And, yeah, Swan, nice work. Thank you for speaking for all of us. All right, everybody, see you on the other side of the break. Hey, everybody, it's AG. If you've been listening to the show for a while, you've heard me talk about my recent trouble sleeping and how it was solved by a customized Helix mattress. Well, I'm excited to share that Helix has launched a new company called Allform, and they're bringing incredible customizable furniture for the rest of your home. They make beautiful sofas and chairs to your specifications, and they deliver directly to you with fast free shipping. You customize your own sofa using premium materials and at a fraction of the cost of traditional stores. And with Allform, you can pick your fabric and the color, the leg finish, and the size and the shape. And the fabric is spill, stain, and scratch resistant, which is great for the pod pets. I picked out a three-seater sofa, and I customized it with whiskey-colored leather. I got a walnut leg finish and a chaise lounge, and it came in a couple of days. I put it together myself, and I absolutely love it. It's very comfy and modern-looking, and the fact that it was designed to my specifications is the best part. Because normally, if you want a custom sofa, it could take weeks or even months to arrive. And you have to have someone assemble it for you, which costs money. And you have to have, like, a nine-hour delivery window with the freight company. And because of COVID, they'll just leave it out on the street, and you got to haul it in yourself. But Allform takes just three to seven days to arrive by mail. You can assemble it yourself in a few minutes. No tools needed. They have gorgeous armchairs and love seats, all the way up to eight-seat sectionals. So there's something for everyone. And you can always start small and add on if your family or your house gets bigger. And best of all, you get 100 days to decide if you want to keep it. That's more than three months. And if you don't love it, they'll pick it up for free and give you a full refund. They also have a forever warranty. So to find your perfect sofa, check out allform.com slash dailybeans. And Allform is offering 20% off all orders for our listeners. That's allform.com slash dailybeans. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. 
Joining me today to discuss vote by mail and Trump's inability to clarify his own position, which might be the point, I'm not sure, is professor at the University of Texas School of Law and co-host of the National Security Law podcast, Steve Vladek. Steve, welcome back. Thanks, AG. Great to be with you. So I reached out to you yesterday after Trump's press conference where he threatened to sue Nevada for the bill they had just passed to send ballots by mail to all their residents, among other provisions that are in the bill, because I wanted to know um, if he had a chance to actually block the bill in court or if the courts would maybe err on the side of the Constitution and allow their law to stand without granting him some sort of an injunction. So can we start there um, before we get into the new developments from today? How would that lawsuit, if he filed it, likely play out? Um, I mean, it's hard to say because I just have no idea what the heck the lawsuit would claim. Right. I mean, so, you know, the president has asserted on Twitter that what Nevada did was illegal. Um, But shockingly, he has failed to fill in the analysis and explain why. You know, states are given fairly broad latitude under Article one of the Constitution to control the time, place and manner of elections, even for federal office. It's possible, Iggy, that Congress has the power to override what Nevada did here. But I just don't see how short of some conflict with a federal statute, the president would have any plausible claim that this new law is you know, either preempted by federal law or somehow in violation of the federal constitution. Sure. Um, but not having a plausible claim has never stopped him from filing suit before. And there, there have been several lawsuits that you and I have talked about that had no plausible claim that still sort of went not in his favor, but allowed him to delay and stay and, and do all this other you know, smoke and mirrors malarkey. Uh, and I, I, I was just frankly concerned about that. I mean, obviously, I don't think whatever he put in the lawsuit would be a viable claim. But like I said, that hasn't stopped him before. And that also hasn't delayed other things from happening, like the the Mazar subpoena or et cetera, stuff like that. Yeah. But I mean, but I, just, I think I mean, I think there's a difference between a claim that's not viable and a claim that's frivolous. And you know, in, I think this is more the latter than the former. I mean, the, you know, the president's objections to a state making it easier for its citizens to participate in an election by mail-in ballots, they might have rhetorical force among those who are inclined to believe the fraud conspiracy theory. But there's no legal reason why that's problematic. There's no constitutional provision that a state violates by allowing more of its citizens to vote. Um, There's no federal statute that prevents states from making these choices for themselves. I mean, Nevada is hardly the first state to allow this kind of broad access to mail-in voting. So I guess, you know, I I certainly agree that Trump has been more successful in using the courts to delay, even in context in which he either has lost or is going to lose litigation. This just seems not even close. I mean, I think this is one of those typical Trump blustery threats that's not going to translate to a lawsuit as opposed to the ones that do. I see. So even if he did, because I agree with you, I tend to agree with you. I think this was just a, we'll have to see, you know, I'm going to assume we'll have to see maybe tomorrow, uh, you know, just sort of seems like a bunch of uh, maybe in two weeks. But uh, yeah, in two weeks, everything's in two weeks. But uh, reminds me of the movie, The Money Pit. Everything was going to happen mm-hmm. in two weeks. But um, mm-hmm. the yeah, so I suppose if he did file a lawsuit and it was frivolous or, you know, his claims had no basis in anything that that Nevada would file a, a motion to dismiss and it would be dismissed. I think that's right. And I think the other point is, you know, it would probably not even be the Justice Department. It would be the Trump campaign, mm-hmm. um, which, of course, you know, would have even less, I think, of an argument 
that there's some broad federal interest or a broad federal concern. And it would be more about the potential injury to the Trump campaign. But I mean, let's be clear, the potential injury to the Trump campaign is losing the election, <laughs> um, which, you know, if if he loses because more eligible voters are lawfully voting, that's not against the law. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. I just have this. I just have it in I just have these fears that he, the, the suit would be dismissed. He would appeal, do an end run around the circuit court, go to the Supreme Court and say, while I appeal this dismissal, can I get a stay? You know, you know, I'm just, uh, you know, I have that fear. I mean, the, and, 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 and the last three and a half years have understandably jaded and jaundiced many of us. I just think that, you know, it's one thing for the president to latch on to a sort of plausible but unpersuasive legal theory. It's another thing for the president to assert that something is illegal when no competent scholar could even identify what the source of the illegality would be. Yeah. So let's let's talk about the more likely scenario, because like all news stories, this one has taken a hard left turn. Uh, And according to sources close to the president, Trump has learned that trying to stymie vote by mail could actually hurt him specifically maybe in swing states. And today he tweeted a message heaping praise on the vote by mail system, but only in Florida. And I was wondering what your reaction to this tweet is, this new, I love vote by mail in Florida only. Well, so I think there are two different things going on here. One, Florida is where the president votes by mail. Mm -hmm. And so, of course, he wants to, you know, he wants to try to sort of separate out his hypocrisy from everybody else's. Um, but two, I also think, you know, it's increasingly possible that Florida is going to be, if not the tipping point, then the make or break state for him. Mm-hmm. That is to say, right, that it's going to be very, very hard for the president to win reelection if he loses Florida. Um, and, you know, at least the polls today suggest that he is behind in Florida. So, you know, trying to ensure that he doesn't accidentally suppress his own supporters from voting by mail in Florida, I think has obvious political cachet. It also underscores a broader point, which is that I don't think it's obvious to anybody whether efforts to suppress or limit or chill voting by mail, voting absentee, other forms of remote voting actually have a particular partisan valence. I don't think we have enough data to know that. Um, And so, you know, for all of the president's efforts to try to sort of so doubt about the legitimacy of of mail-in voting, I think there's a genuine concern on the part of Republicans that he might actually be hurting himself in the process. Today's tweet, I think, is the first sign that he may be starting to hear that. Yeah. And and he said with his own mouth in the past that the more people vote, the less likely Republicans can win, Uh, which, I mean, you know, that sort of lends credence to all of the voter suppression methods that have gone on in states and with governors and nationally that we've seen with, you know, gerrymandering and ID laws and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, you're right. We have absolutely no clue whether vote by mail specifically and in particular states would actually help or hurt him. And yeah, it it seems to me, I, I agree with you that he's sort of taking the hint now from people around him saying, you want people to vote by mail, especially in these states. Uh, because it actually helps us and doesn't hurt us. But now he has proxies going out and talking on the, you know, the news programs and the circuit, the talk circuit, about, you know, how they are all for absentee voting. Um, For example, if you don't live in the state or you're a military member abroad or you are uh, physically incapable of of going to the polls, etc., 
Uh, but they are not in favor of a sort of a universal what Nevada passed, which was everyone gets a ballot in the mail and you can send it in. And we're doing this because of the pandemic. And I was wondering if there's any credence to that argument whatsoever, because I, I that I could at least debate on the merits of the case. You know what I mean? But this whole sort of muddying the water and being unclear just makes it difficult. So I think part of what complicates is, is that the president, I think, is using words that don't mean what he thinks they mean. Um, right. And that, you know, mail the, the distinction between sort of mail-in and absentee ballot balloting is actually not a very um, clear one. I think the better way to distinguish is, as you say, between states where a voter can um, affirmatively request a ballot to vote by mail, whether the state requires you to have particular reasons like Texas does, or whether a state has something called no-fault absentee, where all you have to do is ask. And states like Nevada that have moved toward sending ballots to every registered voter, whether they've asked for one or not. Um, to me, A.G., the most plausible factual distinction would be between those two. That is to say, not between states with conditional absentee and states with no-fault absentee, but states where the voter has to request a ballot versus states where they do not. Here's the problem, right? If the concern is fraud, there is literally zero documented evidence that there is a higher propensity of fraud in the latter bucket of states than the former. That is to say, you know, there's no that there's a factually um, satisfying distinction, right, between whether you have to request a ballot or whether one just gets foisted upon you. But the notion that that distinction is worth a difference depends upon a claim for which there's no evidence, which is that in the context of folks being mailed ballots, um, you know, there's a higher instance of fraud. All of the sort of, you know, data that's out there suggests that, you know, that's if if that's true, it's true at the margins to a degree that is so minimal as to not really justify any of this opposition. Yeah. And, and the thing that gets me is there have been Republicans in the past, like Nunes, for example, who have talked about ballot harvesting. Uh, and in fact, I think the only case that, that I've seen that the, in my recent memory, at least, was in North Carolina. And it was perpetrated by Republicans where th that they had to run that race again. And that's that's just it. It's only been, at least in the cases that I've seen on the Republican side. And I've also seen Republicans praising that they're going to utilize ballot harvesting. Uh, even though it's seriously, even with the Republican incident in North Carolina, has a very, very, very low margin of error, like like no statistical significance in the amount of, uh, you know, fraud that it constitutes by voting by mail. And I, and I there's a little part of me that that where I like I feel like Nunes poked Trump and said, hey, stop, stop using ballot harvesting as an excuse to get away from vote by mail. We like that. You know, I just feel like there's like we could that could be a possibility. I mean, it, I mean, the problem is, is it increasingly leaves one with the impression that the Republicans basic position is if it's good for us, we're for it. And if it's bad for us, we're against yeah. it. And, you know, as much as that might make sense in the abstract, that causes trouble when we get to voting, because that's a state by state thing where what's good for one party in one state might be very good for another party in another state. Um, and so, you know, we have the situation where the folks who are used to sort of bringing nuance to the table in these debates um, are trying to avoid sweeping categories, sweeping, you know, sort of categorical statements um, and sweeping generalizations. And then there's the president <laughs> well, who says, you know, um, absent, you know, mail in balloting is terrible, except in Florida. Yeah. Or I love absentee. I hate mail in voting. Um, 
Right. And, and, you know, and, and the history of presidential elections of the country, I mean, AG, when I think of states that have a reputation for doing elections the right way, Florida is not really necessarily the top <laughs> of my Florida list. doesn't jump out as you as like out at you is the a really great. Oh, it jumps out at me. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's echoes of the year 2000. Um Oh, my gosh. Remember Conan in the year 2000? That's all I can think of is Florida. I mean, like when, when, Trump, you know, when, when, when Trump tweeted about how the election, we have to have the results the night of the election. Mm. You know, a small part of my head is screaming, 2000. Yeah. Yeah. And y'all won on that one. So maybe don't knock it. Um, I mean, I'm going to knock it, but he shouldn't. Anyway. Yeah. Thank you. Sure. Thank you very much. Um professor at the University of Texas School of Law, co-host of the National Security Law Podcast. Everybody check out that podcast. Steve Vladek, thanks for talking to me today. I appreciate it. Anytime, Izzy. All right, everybody, stick around right after this quick break. We have the good news block. You don't want to miss it today. It's awesome. So stay with us. Hello, Daily Beans listeners. It's AG. This episode of Daily Beans is brought to you by Sun Basket. These days, many of us are focusing on our health and our safety, and it's important to eat healthy, keep our immune systems up, and use safer practices to help protect those around us. And if you want to eat delicious, nutritious meals, but also want to stay socially distant and avoid crowds at the grocery stores, try Sunbasket. Sunbasket delivers healthy, delicious meals straight to your door. It's the perfect, tasty solution for COVID. Sunbasket has amazing recipes for all kinds of dietary preferences, including paleo, gluten-free, Mediterranean, vegetarian, and more. They make it easy and convenient, and everything is pre-portioned, ready to prep and cook. So you can enjoy a full dinner of organic produce and clean ingredients in as little as 15 minutes, no matter how much experience you have in the kitchen. And I don't have a lot, but these meals turn out perfect every time. And each week they offer a wide range of recipes for you to choose from. So you can try uh, creamy mushroom penne with baby spinach and almonds, uh, Greek beef skewers with arugula pear salad and hazelnuts, that's my new favorite, or salmon tacos with cabbage slaw, salsa roja, and chipotle yogurt. You can also order from recipes across the menu, skip a week if you want, uh, or even double up on your favorites. And Sunbasket facilities have the highest level of food and employee safety, which is very important to us here. They reinforce strict adherence to operating procedures, and they've increased their sanitization frequency in their distribution centers in order to protect you and your family and their family of employees. And right now, Sunbasket is offering $35 off your order when you go right now to sunbasket.com slash dailybeans and enter promo code dailybeans at checkout. That's sunbasket.com slash dailybeans. Enter promo code dailybeans at checkout. You'll get $35 off your order. Again, sunbasket.com slash daily beans and don't forget to enter promo code daily beans hey everybody welcome back it is time for the good news well we'll float on good news is on the way and i feel like the good news could not come fast enough today and i'm so happy to be here with jordan hi jordan hello ah <sighs> Finally, time for the good news. <laughs> yeah. Um, today was one of those um, shit show fire hoses. That doesn't seem like the right plural. Fire hose eye. I don't know. Lots, lots of lots of news. And so I'm really, really glad that um, that we are now here at the point of the day where we can talk about the good news. And I think Maddo is back tonight. Uh, of course, we're recording this before Maddo. Uh, but you'll be listening to it after Matto. And so that's that weird. It's that like, you know how when uh, we somebody goes onto the dark side of the moon and you lose radio contact for a certain amount of minutes. I feel like the, the time between us finishing recording and when Matto is over is like this, like this gap of communication <laughs> where everyone's wondering what's happening in the news. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. But um, 
anyway, how about you kick us off? Uh, well, first of all, how, how are things? Anything new? Anything exciting? How's the dog? The dog is great. Thank you for asking. Uh, she's cute as ever. Just realized when she farts, I can call it a cocoa puff. So that pleases me. Um, (laughs) (laughs) anyways, thank you for asking for my life updates. How are you? Um, I'm good. Uh, got a, got a hearing, another restraining order hearing on Thursday. So that should be interesting. So I'm a little stressed about that, which is why I'm really looking forward to the good news today and tomorrow. And uh, I am also writing a book. Uh, I'm working on a book proposal um, after the political article came out about, you know, me being pushed out of my government job um, and uh, doing the podcast. A uh, few uh, agents approached me and wanted me to uh, put together a book proposal. So I'm doing that. And I'm also looking forward to we're, we're going to be starting recording now the, the Mary Trump um book club episodes and we should be releasing the first one i would say right before we go on vacation which is august 24th through 28th we should be able to start getting it out um right around that i think Mm -hmm. we should release them on saturdays since i mean quarantine confession goes out on saturdays but for the patrons they get it on fridays and the patrons get nothing on saturdays and so since this is just for patrons i think maybe we should release them on saturdays and then patrons will have seven days wall-to-wall non-stop fucking A.G. and Jordan. And I think that mm-hmm. Necessary. might be too much to handle. But we'll <laughs> give it to him anyways. <laughs> yeah, I'm And so thanks excited. again to Stephen Isaacs for uh, for making that possible. Seriously. Our patrons are amazing. Yeah, they really, really are. Yay! Well, speaking of amazing listeners, um, let's get our first piece of good news. It comes from Steve Pronouns. Yes. Uh <laughs> He, him, I am a newly minted, just finished fellowship, allergist slash immunologist, and back in November, I applied for the NIH, National Institutes of Health, Loan Repayment Program, LRP. I Thank you, Steve, for all of your <laughs> def- definitive acronyms. And, it, I, and welcome <laughs> to the government. Yes. Um, <laughs> since, uh, <laughs> yeah, or defined acronyms, I should say. Since I am continuing doing research at Cincinnati Children's. I found out Saturday morning uh, why I was checking work email on a Saturday morning, uh, question mark, that I was accepted. This is a big deal. They pay directly to my lenders $50,000 per year for two years, and on top of it, they pay the IRS taxes on it, so I'm not on the hook for the extra income, in quotes. Hmm. Yes, that means 100 Gs off my loans. Boom. I will Woo-hoo. never... <laughs> yeah, hell yeah. I will never confess how much my total loan debt is, but this is a huge head start, and I'm so happy to have been selected. Yay! I know that in our current timeline, being worried about student loans seems a little laughable while the rest of the world is on fire, all caps, but for me personally, just bringing up the topic of loans is nearly panic-inducing, and to function, you sort of have to learn to ignore it. This is why getting into this loan repayment program was such a huge deal for me. I couldn't wait to tell my wife Alexis, but she was out for a walk when I found out, and I wanted to see her face, so I had to keep it inside for like 30 minutes, which was tough, but the wait was worth (laughs) it. She was thrilled, of course, once the shot kind of wore off. It's such a needed program for people wanting to pursue academic medical research, and it feels so validating that my country can offer me this kind of program to allow me to do what I love. I have not been this happy in a very long time, and I wanted to share the good news with my people. (laughs) Thanks for all you ladies do with the show. You keep me informed and my spirits up, and I love hearing about other listeners' awesome work as well. I love you all and hope you have a good week. Oh, yeah, and watch out for the mask holes and stay safe out there. 
Congratulations. Oh, we love you too, Steve. Yes, seriously. Steve. Steve, go Steve. Steve. The good Steve. Mm-hmm. Yes, no minutia. rat name is Steve. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. I can't even... I can't even fathom the amount of debt that people have to go into to help others and contribute to society it's the worst system yeah if uh, to me personally if you're going to go into public service you shouldn't have any student loan debt at all but that's just to me actually it's not just me that's like probably a couple hundred million people but <laughs> yeah whatevs um yeah. we'll get there eventually we just got to get this orange menace out of the friggin white house so thank you very much steve congratulations that's incredible and we love you back um Next up, from another amazing person, Betsy, pronoun she, her. She's in English as a second language teacher, focusing on refugee education. You guys are all like, I'm like, you guys are amazing. I was recently given the opportunity to help with an online refugee ESL class through IACT, the Interfaith Action of Central Texas, and did some fundraising for an online reading program. We collected so much in the first few hours that we are now getting uh, a spelling and vocabulary subscription as well. The group of students uh, are older than age 14, but are only reading at a kindergarten or first grade level, but we need to succeed in high, but need to succeed in high school. Many of the kids are also working with masks, but they still carve out two hours a day for summer ESL classes. That's so great, Betsy. Yes. More acronyms. I love all the acronyms <laughs> from all of our incredible yeah, patrons. Seriously. I know. It's, I mean, I appreciate it very much because, um, yeah, you're always throwing around, like you said, with the government, there's so many things that are constantly being thrown around, and little old me's get left by the wayside sometimes with the acronym speech, so I appreciate it. Uh, next up, from anonymous pronouns he, him, my bride-to-be is now functionally a doctor of neuroimaging and linguistics, PhD. She passed her thesis defense a few weeks Ooh. ago with only minor edits recommended by her thesis committee, most of which are typos from attempting to write her paper at 4.30 in the morning while hyped up <laughs> on half a pot of coffee. Oh my gosh. I'm glad to know that even when you're a fucking genius, the procrastination habits are still the same. Or maybe not even procrastination, oh, just yeah. last-minute working habits are still still just as prevalent. Best work gets done in the wee hours over half a pot of coffee. Um, yeah. Seriously. So, yeah, a couple typos aside, congratulations. Yay. Doctor of Neuroimaging and Linguistics. Doctor Anonymous. Anonymous. <laughs> yes. <laughs> congratulations. <laughs> so cool. Doctor Anonymous of Affiance. <laughs> Uh, anonymous he him yeah um next up from anonymous she her uh hello ag jordan mandy truly hope the three of you are doing okay and that daily life is not too anxiously chaotic just kidding you, you what you you don't hope we're doing okay <laughs> or you just maybe or maybe you know that it's yeah just <laughs> just kidding at the prospect of chaotic. us being okay Nothing personal. <laughs> it's it's just impossible statistically. <laughs> we know you're all, yeah. Uh, good call. Good call, Anonymous. Um, we are in the age of orange menace. Every day is chaos. Yep. There we go. Yep. Last I wrote, I told you all that I took a COVID contact tracing course. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Well, since then, I have signed up for an online college program for public health, and I'm almost done. Uh, I'm almost done my first gen ed class in English comp. Oh, my God, that class was brutal for me. <laughs> While this is great news in itself because I just turned 50 and I've never been able to figure out what I wanted to do when I grew up, I have better news. Let me start 
by saying prior to 2018, my county board in Burlington, New Jersey, was heavily Republican held for 40 years. In New Jersey, there is a bill in our Assembly Senate to change the title of county boards from chosen freeholders to county commissioners. Didn't we have we this? Did. Haven't, I think we had another yes. uh, same good news story. I think so. And again, the great news is better news that my Burlington County isn't waiting for the bill to be passed and signed by the governor. Okay, so this is a follow-up. Yeah. So they're not waiting for the bill to be passed. They put out a declaration that on August 12th, it will be going uh, from being part of the Board of Chosen Freeholders to being the Board of County Commissioners. And I'm very proud of the people who have been elected to this position and even call some of them friends. The red tape, paperwork, digital, and signage will change a bit more slowly to help save money so that, you know, the county doesn't have to furlough or lay any of us off. So great work, ladies. Keep up the good news. And we love the news with swears. Oh, that's so great. Yeah. So they do, they're doing it early. Also, Woo-hoo. you're going to school. That's badass. I know. That's that. That's the good news. Yeah, I think. seriously. That's so freaking rad. Dude, English comp classes, any any English class, really, it always winds up being such a huge pain in the ass. We had these classes uh, just that were generally labeled humanities classes for our gen eds at UCSD, and they were just notoriously difficult. Like, I don't know how the hell they managed to make that class so hard to get an A in, but it was like fucking the Bible and the Old Testament and shit. And it's like, how am I supposed to write a riveting paper on the oldest book of all time? The most overviewed book ever known to man <laughs> like how am i supposed to have a hot take on the fucking bible dude? top that yeah right, <laughs> right. like um i there was something that was like uh oh there was a movie that came out it was like dracula untold right mm-hmm. or something like that it was a recent like maybe a few years ago and they're like you know dracula untold and i'm like ooh, can't wait to hear the story of dracula i wonder yeah. what that's about yeah. oh you know please enlighten me yeah good on you for for attempting to make that exciting <laughs> <laughs> tell us your take on the old testament really do i need to yeah i mean <laughs> yeah exactly um i'm gonna read the next one because it's i'm gonna read the next one because it's short sure. and the next one after that is long sure so I wanted to give you a long one because you keep getting these shorts. No worries. Um, This is from Amber, pronoun she, her. She says, I promise it's good news. A lot of them start out not as good, but get good. She says, my dad passed unexpectedly in March, not from COVID. And this group has been so awesome. When I posted, he was in the ER and then when he passed. So thank you all. Anywho, we worked on placing the obit memoriam for his birthday on Monday, August 3rd and knew it would be pretty costly. Almost $800. Wow. Wow, I had no idea there was so much. My mom was calling the paper to authorize the charge today, and she told me that she also got their tax return from the IRS, and it was $800. Pretty coincidental. <laughs> I like to think it's my dad looking yeah. out for my mom still. Yeah. Oh, man. I'm really sorry about that. But, yeah. Yeah, if you ever need to talk, my DMs are open, too. So. Thank no. you, Amber. Um, next up from Jen, pronouns she, her. I plan to submit my community garden good news back on 4th of July when, after feeling rather glum about the day, I suddenly had several customers, in quotes, in rapid succession at my makeshift community garden and never got to it. Background, several years ago, the city had to take down a beautiful but sick tree that was living on municipal property. That ugly reminder of the tree that once was, that space, was so sad that I decided to stick some lettuce seeds in there, and each year I've added more stuff. Anyway, my favorite customer on the 4th of July was a girl who was maybe 14 years old. She brought a friend and gave him a tour of the lettuces and herbs in the garden. I come here all the time. She lets you have whatever you want for free, (laughs) she said. I just sat there hidden on my deck listening to her boast about this garden. She had no idea I was listening or how much I needed to hear it. 
I'll be honest, I shed a few tears. It made my entire week. Recently, I heard a similar good news story from one of your listeners talking about their painted rock welcome garden, and I was inspired to finally send you this story. And perhaps more importantly, your listener inspired me to update my welcome sign. P.S. Just a Mandy. I also have a Canadian flag in addition to the American flag because I grew up in Canada. My mom's the only one who stayed in Canada, and she even obtained her citizenship. She called me on Canada Day and sang the anthem. I'd forgotten it even was Canada Day. I always make my friends celebrate it with me, but not this year, though, because of the pandemic. And I also don't know when I'll get to see my mom again. Anyway, that was for you. Let's just focus on the good news, eh? And then a heart, and then a Canadian flag. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, that's so wonderful. What a really, really, really nice thing you're doing. Community gardens. I've never I've never been to a community garden before in my life, actually. Yeah, and, and how cool you're just like scoping it from afar, like listening to people. Yeah. Be amazed by it. Yeah. That's Aww, great. That is great. Good on you. Good on all of you. Indeed. Yeah. Um, next up from Julia pronouns she her i live in the city of chicago one of my favorites and i get exercise and relieve stress by going for walks in the many large parks uh, my south side neighborhood is lucky enough to have unfortunately people people are litter bugs so i tidy my own corner of the universe to borrow a phrase from another listener's good news this week by bringing plastic bags with me and collecting the assorted flotsam and jetsam while i walk it's good for my mental health too Instead of scowling judgmentally at all the trash, it becomes like a game. Plus, the extra glute exercise has made my ass look noticeably better. (laughs) While passersby sometimes thank me for doing it, this past week, someone else actually started picking up trash along with me. We nodded and smiled with our eyes at each other in the way that we all now learn to do in the era of face masks. And thanks for making horrid news less so. Jordan's laugh is the best. Uh, I I concur. uh, Thank you. Watch this. Cocoa Puff. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. There's... <laughs> now you have an automatic <laughs> laugh trigger. Yeah. Yeah. It will please me for at least... Uh, I give it I give it two weeks till it wears out. So anytime you want one, just uh, drop that. But yeah, that's... Um, Chicago is... I can't wait to go back to Chicago. It's such a good city. It was so, so much fun. Yeah. And... and Absolutely. Everybody there was great. It's just one of the coolest cities ever. Mm-hmm. I remember I lived close to it for a couple of years and I absolutely loved it. Yeah. But, uh, I just want to like really seriously thank everyone for sending in these good news stories because it really, <laughs> I can't tell you how m- much it alleviates my anxiety of the day. It just sort of dissipates whenever we read the good news story. So thank you for sending them in. Please continue to send them in. Whenever you can, um, and you can do that at dailybeanspod.com. And um, God, I just, I can't, I just can't tell you how much I appreciate it. And I know, Jordan, I know you do too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 100%. It's, I'm so glad that we've kept it up consistently too, because, you know, things really are kind of staying shitty. So <laughs> it's nice. It's nice that we've committed to this as a segment and that our listeners have committed and you are the ones that keep it alive. If y'all didn't send us it in, we wouldn't be able to do it. So thank you so much. Absolutely. Any uh, any final thoughts? No. <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> Cocoa Puff? Yes. Puff? Awesome. Also, um, poo-poo or Cocoa Puffs? That's that's a question. Poo-poo. Oh, is, is it poo-poo or Cocoa yeah. Puffs? Yeah. Now you don't know. Now it could—it's a mystery. I have a whole list of different iterations now of, 
of dog butt happenings in breakfast cereals that I'm working on. So I'll check in with those later. I, yeah. I, I thought you might. <laughs> <laughs> I would expect nothing less. Yes. Uh, all right. Thank you, everybody. Uh, we will be back tomorrow with, uh, you know, the news. So until then, everyone, please take care of yourself. Take care of each other. Take care of your mental health and take care of the planet. I've been AG. I've been Jordan Coburn. And them's the beans. The Daily Beans is executive produced and directed by A.G. and Jordan Coburn and engineered and edited by Mackenzie Mazell and Starburns Industries. Our marketing manager, executive assistant, production and social media direction is Amanda Reeder. Fact-checking and research by A.G., Jordan Coburn, and Amanda Reeder. Our music is written and performed by They Might Be Giants. Our web design and branding are by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. And our website is dailybeanspod.com. <laughs>